Welcome to this new podcast called Homeschooling Made Easy with Dr. Fred Ray Libran and myself, Karen Rodriguez. Dr. Libran is the creator of the Independent Homeschool courses at independenthomeschool.com and he also has a YouTube channel by the same name and his overall motto is from mommy taught to self-taught. Now I have a homeschooling site, ourhousehomeschooling.com and a YouTube channel called Our House and my motto is from questions to confidence when it comes to homeschooling. So we are combining these two mottos to make this podcast called Homeschooling Made Easy. You can submit your questions to homeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us articles that you want us to talk about. You can send them in. We are here for you. You can find us on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And again, that email is homeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. So how are you today, Dr. Libran? Doing great. Awesome. Well, we already have three questions submitted, so we can dive right into them. This comes from Nuri, and she sent us this email. It says, how do you motivate an unmotivated teenager with mild autism? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, sure. I mean, you're trying to, I don't know, some ways I'm not sure um, a non-autistic child might not be as hard to motivate. I, you know, it's all the nature of human beings uh, to uh, resist and challenge and argue and debate, etc. So, so, so the problem uh, with uh, autism, I mean, what, what is it, uh, even from your viewpoint, tell me what kind of the challenges are with moms with uh, kids with on the spectrum, you know, Asperger's, autism, et cetera. Uh, right. You know, what are they facing? And I've, I've done a fair bit of work with people in this area. And the weird thing is our courses, especially our writing courses, these kids start writing and they never could write before. So, and it's related to the motivation. We're going to get to that because I, I do a little trick in the writing curriculum that frees kids up to write and it works as well for, it works even better in some ways for autistic kids. But in your experience, what, you know, you, you've known moms, you've worked with them. What, what is it that they're wrestling with? What is the motivation in this child and what are they doing and where's the problem? So it seems like the spectrum is from very functioning and verbal to very visual nonverbal. So for example, um, if they're very on the visual end where they just deal better with pictures and visualizing not so great at communication or writing, you know, putting a Saxon math book in front of them and they're looking at just these numbers and equations that just kind of blows their mind. You know, they're not able to picture, see it, see it visually. So I think that's probably where you're unmotivated, right? Because you feel not, you, you can't do the, the work. It's difficult Perfect. for you. Perfect. Yeah. What goes on in them? I, uh, I, as a kid stuttered, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that to you, but I went to a specialist and all when I was four or so. And the reason I stuttered is because I was left-handed and they changed me over to be right-handed. Mm -hmm. And so my brain was having to rewire itself. And, and, uh, I remember it's interesting in college one day I stuttered, I stumbled over my words and I had the exact same experience I used to have as a four-year-old, four and five of this panic. I mean, mm -hmm. just this intense panic of failing, of not being able to do it. It might go into feeling stupid or feeling in trouble or whatever. You know, we, we all can do 
individual reasons, but the, the thing is, it's bad, right? Right. So, so imagine um, being anyone, but especially if you're uh, an autistic child or you have some spectrum dynamics in play and you run into, like you said, visual or verbal, you run into something and they're asking you to do something and multiply it. You know, in some sense, you can perceive other people can do it. They're asking you something to do and you can't in any sense of the word process it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to happen because you have no sense of control is you're going to resist that because it's like guaranteed failure. And I mean, anybody that loves to just jump in and fail, there's something wrong with them. You know, <laughs> you know, you, you already right. have that problem. Yeah. So, so when, when you look at it, I mean, motivation is always an inside out game, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're always wrestling with how do I connect something in my child that they want with something external so it's connected. So like if you, there are some kids you could say, um, if um, I just make up something, you know, I hear it, I would be one. If you will uh, do this, I'll feed you cantaloupe. Okay, you'll get some cantaloupe. All right, for me, well, I don't know what it was, but I wouldn't do it because I've never liked cantaloupe a moment in my life. So it wouldn't motivate me. So when you start thinking it all should work the same, you're mistaken. You really want to understand that child and what is it that goes into their motivation. But, you know, when, when we look at it, and this is getting back to my, my point in the writing course, is that what we want to do is generate for a person um, a growth in their competency. So if they're not... You know, basically the premise is this. If you want homeschool to be easier, get in your head this phrase. The next step is never hard. Okay? So okay. if you're going to climb a mountain, that's hard. If you're going to jump to a, up to a 10-foot ledge, that's hard. Stepping on the next step on the path, not hard. If you want to write a novel, writing the novel is hard. Turning on your computer, not hard right right writing a sentence not hard right so so the next step is never hard so with an when we don't have a a real example of what she's talking about so that'd be much easier if we knew it's spelling or writing or reading or i don't know what it is eating their you know english peas but whatever it is you know eating one pea probably can do so if we can if we can learn to give them this perspective of not starting with great because that's where the problem is the pressure. That people have a standard of doing something impossible so they're going to resist it or they're crazy um so instead of making it great it's that thing you know we you can write great if you want to or pretty good uh in the end but intermediate you need to get some help and then at the beginning you want to do something that's okay you want to write okay right or read okay or something so like reading out loud just in general people struggle with that because they can't pronounce things well if it's okay not to pronounce it you know and you start teaching your child you have like let's make up something you have three shots at sounding out the word okay Okay. so three shots you're safe with three shots okay that's one and then they try to get have been a dab you know i read something in the bible have been a dab no that's one have been a day you got it you know, that you're taking away from them that horror. 
So on a beginning level, I'd say with anybody, you're wanting to find out what is a little bit of a stretch, a next step that they can do, and then repeat that enough to where they own it. So it's a strength. And then another one, and then another one, right? Right. So, so that kind of approach, I think, with almost all of them uh, is going to be key. There's another issue, and I'll, I'll throw this out to you. What have you noticed with kids in general and autistic or spectrum kids concerning, uh, let's pick a word like, um, well, the word I'm thinking of is, is time, okay? Okay. So what goes on with them with time? What goes on with kids with time? I know this is tricky, but let's just think. We're thinking out loud, right? No concept they, of how it. Do, how do they look at time? <laughs> I think for when they're young, especially, they don't really have a, a concept of it. They could think they've been working on something for what feels like hours, and it's only been 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Or the other way around. They can have yes. been playing happily for hours, and it's time right. to go, and they're upset. Yes. Because we just got here. Exactly. Because you know, they're so engaged. Yeah, it's they all relative. Any, yeah, they don't have any sense of, of future, you know? They have a sense of the present. Right. And a common thing with, uh, in, in my experience, uh, the parents I've worked with, has tried to help them to get out of the game of trying to motivate their kids with long-term goals or rewards or anything. Exactly. Long-term, doesn't, it doesn't work that great anybody no uh but in but them especially if they can't think long term it's a challenge so so if you do rewards one of the studies uh multiple studies have demonstrated this uh human beings are far more motivated about not losing something they have than getting something they don't have because if okay. you get something you don't have uh you didn't fine. have it to begin with you're okay yeah but yeah. if i have it and lose it so one of the things that, that we found works, uh, the first time I heard of this was a guy was taking his son hunting and dove hunting and they needed shotgun shells. I don't know if this is politically correct or not, but it's a story. Yeah. So um, the, um, the uh, could be the Irish were hunting Vikings when they attacked, how's that? No, but they were, <laughs> they, he, he needed shells. And so what the dad did is he had a list of chores uh, over a few weeks that he wanted him to do or projects or something and so the dad filled up this plastic container with like five boxes of shotgun shells and it said for every task you don't do uh, I'm going to remove five shells or two or something so when he didn't do it he kept seeing his number of shells going down and that in generated uh, focus in the moment we do a similar thing you know if, if you give them skittles or something you have five you know and if you do this, 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 you can have all five, but if you don't do it, you get, or I don't know the right number. We didn't use sugar. So any Skittles was, you know, victorious. Yes. But, but, but in some way, if you can think about how can I put a reward together as I'm building this confidence or this, yeah, this confidence uh, or competence in this child in this area, next step's never hard. If, if there's a payoff for it, you know, it might be time on the, iPad on the computer or something, something they play um, or something they get to watch or something they do. I don't know the nature of it because every home is different, but if they can, if the child can see that they have something they want, that completing this next thing allows them to get it, you're, you're golden. So commonly with regular teens, we had 
they some of them play on the computer right on the weekend or whatever well they have a lot amount of time or maybe daily a lot amount of time if you don't do this stuff you lose some of that time that's the way it goes you see what i mean so it's not yeah. thinking long term or what i can gain but what am i going to lose and so that's just a mechanical context you can play with with that child i'm going to do that i'm going to i've never tried something like that so I'm going to try it this week, tomorrow, I'm going to start having something, you know, like a treat, like we don't have this, you know, M&Ms, obviously, that, that would be a huge deal for them. So I'm going to try that, have a certain amount, and uh, if they don't finish or the less problems they complete, I will take away the M&Ms. Yeah, so let's, so pick one area, just what, what, what are you thinking about, what area? Uh, math. They're not listening, are they? No. Good. So what's going? Cause they'll they'll change the system. So yeah. what's uh? It. What's what are they doing math? Um. So right now we're trying to see how much they can do in two hours. You know, sometimes they'll push themselves and they'll get two lessons done and do great, and then sometimes they do a lesson and they, they motivation fizzles out. So I'm gonna try that with M and M's. Okay. So them. if they complete two lessons in two hours. Is that what you're saying? Yes. They, they get, have the they get whole, how many M&Ms? Let's say there's 30 problems in a lesson. So how about 10, five for each set? Five for each so, lesson. So how many, how many M&Ms would that be? 10 total. Is that going to motivate them for two hours work? <laughs> I think so. They never I don't really know. I don't candy. know your children. I'm just saying yeah. would that motivate them. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so if you if you finish, uh, I'd make it simpler. I'd make it something like if you finish everything in the two hours, you get all ten. If you only finish um, one lesson, one lesson you get five or less. I'd say anything below yes. that, you get five. So you for sure get five if you do one less. If you do below one lesson, none, right? Yeah, right. So uh, one lesson five, two lessons ten. Okay, I'm gonna just, do that. I'll all report right, just back. make it kind of, just make it simpler. You know, make it easy. You don't yes. want to do too much math for kids that are trying to do math. Right, and I don't want them to be sloppy with the math either. So it's finding that balance. So I like this because it's kind of like your your thing about asking what is the right question. So instead of asking how do you motivate an unmotivated teenager, right? You're already kind of feeling in that negative space. But if you, we change the question to how can I help him win? How can I help him feel confident? How can I get him excited, right? Yeah, and I would more say, positive. I'd say for an autistic kid, actually the question in my mind is how can I get him to focus? Yes. Because that's largely the problem. It's, it's not, they're probably not entirely not motivated unless they really feel overwhelmed with failure about the whole thing or frustrated they can't do it. And you're probably but, familiar with this. I've done a video on the Pomodoro technique, you know, yeah. maybe having head, head, uh, noise canceling headphones, quiet space, and just doing, you know, 20 minutes and then taking a little five minute break, something physical, and then coming back doing another Pomodoro. Is that how you do? You're familiar with them or a, a different I am system? familiar with it. I can't make myself do them very well, but um, <laughs> that's essentially what we did with the kids with writing. Once we started timing them and the clock was going, they get it done yes. magically. By yes. the way, if you want to really watch your experiment succeed with your kids tomorrow, yes, 
get them to, before they start, give them a minute just to imagine themselves doing all the problems and getting the five M&Ms and enjoying them. Okay, I just will. Just get them to imagine that, okay? Yes, so I will. I like They got to imagine they're getting the M&Ms, okay, yay, but they got to imagine I got those problems done, I got those problems done, it's an hour and I got them, got them, and they're all finished. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it and I'll report back to you. All right. Like fun. Okay. If it fails, so you get your money back. That's only fair. <laughs> I get to eat the m and So it's a win-win. Okay. So let's go to question number two. It says, how do I help him figure out what he wants to be when he grows up? And she wrote, I've tried researching, discussing different career options, but nothing seems to catch his interest. I think part of the issue is low self-esteem as he has struggled with reading and comprehension most of his life. As a result, he really dislikes doing schoolwork. Unfortunately, we don't know how old the student is, but um, we can still share some thoughts on it. So you've already raised five children and they've all gone off to college. So you have more experience with this. Did you help them think about, did they even know what they wanted to be at that age when you were schooling them? Um, it varied, it changed. Forrest is probably hung in there the best because uh, he wanted to write, uh, especially children's books, and he's done a really good job with that and continues to, to do that. The rest of them, I'd say no, none of them. I remember Tripp at one point when he was five told me he was made for Taekwondo. That's what he wanted to do. And, <laughs> and he had cerebral palsy to boot on one side. It was therapy, uh, you know. Yeah. But um. No, see, here's, here's the thing. We, we get this, I, don't, I, I would say for most all of us, nobody knows quite what they want to do with their life. Right, um, I agree. I still don't, exactly. <laughs> and I'm about due to know. But, but, but here, here's the thing. If you have a calling, right? A calling, a true calling, you'll know it because it's a calling. If you right. don't have a calling, I mean, if you're sick, if you're seven foot two, you know, and male and athletic, and I don't know, there's a pretty good shot. Basketball is going to be a good game for you. You yes. know, soccer won't be, you won't be called to soccer at seven foot two. That's just right. called the surgery is what that is. I think people you, will let you know, right? If it's a, a yeah, passion. Well, see, yeah. Here's, here's the, the way I would think of it. I, I think in, in an autistic child or anybody on the spectrum is a similar thing. You're now you're talking about knowing the future. And so mm -hmm. I've got to know out there in the future, what I'm going to do. And we already might have challenges thinking that far in time. So knowing right. what they want to be when they grow up. I mean, look, the last time I looked at the study, 80% of us that went to college within 10 years of graduating college, 80% are in a career that they didn't study for. Yes. Yes. So, so it's almost a made up thing. I mean, the nice thing in the old days, you were born on a farm, your options were narrowed. And if you wanted to go in town, there weren't that many. Livery Stable, Bank, and the General Store. Law. Yeah. You know? So now we just have all these options. I could be anything. I could do anything, you know? And well, I don't know. We might want to revisit that paradigm. Here's what I'd suggest and what I do with the kids. Why don't we find something you're good at and enjoy and you lean into that? Because mm -hmm. if you, if you, if you enjoy it, if you feel good about it, 
you can practice it, right? Right. And so um, with uh, Tripp, he wanted to study um, studio art. So he went to the University of Texas and studied studio art. And everybody said, what's he going to do with that? He can't make a living. <laughs> and I kept saying, I don't know. The point's to learn how to learn. It's not a degree. This isn't technical school. And plus, if you know how to take nothing and make something, that sounds like a pretty darn good skill to me. Yes. So, so he did studio art. And now he does business modeling and programming and finished a master's in fine arts and is teaching um, an introductory or some kind of uh, creative writing course at uh, uh, Houston Baptist University right now. So, and he's working on being a writer. That's what he wants to do. Went from art to art, right? Yes. Um, uh, Holmes is a, a journalist and um, reporter in Washington, D.C. And he didn't decide until later what he wanted to do. I encourage him, both he and Laura, study communications, study marketing, study these things I know you're good at. So Laura did marketing, wound up with the St. Louis Cardinals, now works for Rice University in promotion and uh, projects with all the sports teams and donors. And Holmes is in Washington doing that because he did a degree in business communication. So he studied corporate communication, how it worked with his uh, liberal arts, other stuff. So liberal means freeing, right? Freeing arts. That's what liberal arts was about because you learn how to learn. And so that's what he did. Who's left? Brooks started figuring out early on that he did math really well. So he does programming, business modeling, the same company does exceedingly well and seems to like it. Um, but they more pursued subjects that fascinated them and worked on skills they were good at, they could improve to make even better. And so I would say that even with this child, what does he like? And then you think about how to apply it. Yes, you know? I agree with you because, you know, I really firmly believe that you can make money, you can make a good living doing whatever it is that you love, no matter what it is today, especially let's say crazy example, but you love clowns. You love going to the circus, going to class. Well, you can become a clown and then you can teach a course online and you can charge a thousand dollars for your clown Academy online and be your own entrepreneur or whatever YouTube channel. So whatever it is that you love, you can be successful at it. It's just going to take work, creativity, but now more than ever, we have so many options and tools available to us. Yeah, and, and I, you're 100% right. Throw in there two little things. Uh, it can also be things you might think of as dysfunctional, right? Like so feeling a problem? Like well, feeling for example, I, um, when I was in a seminary, I worked for a catering company. We did a lot of giant parties and famous people, places, and all. We'd dress up in little suits and hand out hors d'oeuvres, you know, that kind of thing. And I finally got to a place where I was going to quit because I had another job I was doing. And the owner called me in and said, I'm going to give you a raise of from, it was like $10 an hour to 14, which back in the 80s, let's call it 35 and $50 an hour. I don't know what it was. It was something big. <laughs> and yeah. um, so she wanted to give me a raise of 40%, you know, on top of it. And I could pick any parties, stay as long as I wanted, 30 minutes, an hour or two, pay per hour at this new rate. I said, well, what do you want me to do? She said, I've never seen anybody that can go in and see what's wrong with everything as fast as you can. 
So like an auditor? <laughs> yeah, well, I just see it. That's untucked. This is over here. Those flowers need to be moved. Look, those forks aren't aligned. In other words, my, my critical spirit, my total gift for criticizing everything <laughs> was worth a small fortune in that context. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, so don't dismiss true. what you look at that you might not think is a good thing in you that could be useful in another context. Very interesting. Yeah, so that's yes. kind of a crazy thing. Here's the other thing. Yeah, do what you love, the money will follow, whatever that phrase is in the culture, you know. But yeah. bear in mind, on the way to doing the stuff you want to do, there's always some stuff you don't love to do. Yes. So you can't make that a hundred percent game. Sorry. You know, you might like to play in the football game, but you have to do practice too. Right. So you learn to tolerate practice to do what you love. So don't ignore hard work. A lot of times yes. I think people do everything that. takes yeah. hard work. Yeah. And that's the problem. A lot of people don't want to do the work <laughs> today. Right. But if the work serves what you want, it doesn't feel like work. I right. promise you there are, I, I'm not being, I, this is not stereotypical. It's just common, especially growing up. I guarantee you, I watched a lot of moms that didn't love to cook, but they love the family to enjoy the meal. Yes. And so the enjoying the meal, you know, especially Thanksgiving, um, you know, something like that, it was a big event. So that all this energy would go into all this preparation that they didn't necessarily love, but they loved what it was serving the end result. And I think we can understand that as adults, but what about for, you know, teenagers, how do we convey They're Like you said, they don't, they're not seeing the future. They're not seeing the end result. So do we need to help them uh, be motivated and, and stay the course and, and figure out what they want to be? Or is this a situation where they have to learn this on their own? Well, they have to learn, you know, they got to figure it out, but for, for, in my way of thinking, I don't we, what we want to do is just kind of feed the monster, you know? Yes. So if you find a child, because it's all about skill development. So if you find a child that loves um, working on mechanical things, why not indulge that? Find somebody to help teach them some more if you don't have it available. Why not find a dirt, a junked old car that they can work on if they're that age or whatever it is or get them sets that put it together that skill you know if they love lego there's kind of a building motif into that what yes. things could you do to feed the monster if you have a child you know like i was i loved i loved microscopes and the whole microscopic world i don't know why i just absolutely fascinated me so i saved money i got a microscope etc cetera, etc cetera. i spent hours and hours just wanting to make sense of paramecium and endoplasmic reticula and Golgi bodies and all the fun things that you could do, you know? Yes. So who knows how that plays in, except I've learned to really observe things very carefully. It was strictly about how does this work? And so I want to know how did that thing move? You know, how did the paramecium move compared to the amoeba, et cetera. So it developed a skill in me where I am able to observe and think about how something works. So you, you don't want to dismiss the byproduct is in the, the skill is the byproduct and the skill can be used anywhere. So yes. indulging things they find fascinating or love can be an, an important thing. You know, I would even say uh, gaming, you know, I'm not a whole fan, but I bet gaming's here for a long time, you know, like forever. <laughs> yeah. 
because it's yes. sports and people are making fortunes with it and they're superstars and all the rest. And, and we did certain things with the kids in games. I wouldn't let them do bloody ones. We didn't do them during the week, but I did do some that were more strategy related. So it was understanding a strategy of how you had to get somewhere. And uh, that builds- Leveling up. Yeah, we used to do it with, with uh, chess. We used to have the kids play chess um, and they would play each other for about an hour. We backed off reading for a week or two and they played chess and whoever won, got to keep playing. So you could spend the whole rest of your day if you just kept winning. And yes. uh, no one ascended to mastery. Laura won some, everybody won some. Uh, but what I was trying to teach them is in chess, the skill I wanted them to have is learn to think two or three moves ahead. Because if you can develop the skill of thinking two or three moves ahead of everybody else, you're golden. You're yes. just ahead of everybody. Cause you're thinking, well, and this happens and this happens. As soon as you can do that, you're going to be good at planning and strategy and organization and leadership and all kinds of things. Yes. And being a good loser and a good winner also. Yeah. That's so always many... a struggle because you hate for them to practice that much losing to get good at it. But yeah, it's, it's an old joke. Um, <laughs> so find their interests, see what interests them. And um, don't, I would, don't put that pressure on them yet. And, and keep in mind that, like you said, it's very rare that anybody decides what they want to be as a teenager and goes to school for that and ends up in that field. That is super rare. So just encourage interest and skills, like you said. And yeah, um, and some of the jobs in the future aren't here yet. Yes, very you know, true. Don't it, no. Now we have stuff. Data, yes. data scientists, whatever they are. Uh, data mining. Oh, interesting. Well, I don't know that we exactly had that thing a while back. Yes, you know? <laughs> very true. So, so then the last question here we have is, how did you, Dr. Lybran, use the Robinson curriculum to fit your family? What things did you change, add, and what did you keep as stated in the curriculum? I know you have a YouTube uh, series. Is it on your, your courses, right? Yeah, how you did the uh, I, yeah if you'll... Uh, at independenthomeschool.com, there's a sign-on just for our videos. It's like two hours of Jody and I are just sitting there in the living room walking through how we did it, right? Yes. yes. So, so, so the, the idea, yeah, the idea behind the Robinson curriculum is focus on reading, writing, arithmetic, and um, the discipline of learning to sit and do your work in a concentrated period of time. So... As, as we looked at this, the, the reason we gravitated towards it, I really just wanted to feed the animals. I probably would have been closer to an unschooler projecting my own orientation where if you just fed me the right books, I'd read and read and read as a kid. Um, found out uh, there not everybody's like that and there are subjects I wouldn't have studied that I need to. So if we just left it to our kids, some of them wouldn't learn math. Some of them wouldn't have, I don't know, right. Right, whatever. So, so I was kind of on that part of it. And Jody had her master's in education and taught in school, private and public. So she wanted a scope and sequence, right? So Robinson, when I stumbled over it after working with uh, classical model stuff for a while, which I like a lot, um, uh, Robinson gave us enough of a scope and sequence that we could then adjust it. Right. So what we started doing is that was the frame. And I like the frame. The, the books were public domain type books. So 
they were chosen. They were certainly older books and they were chosen for good reason in terms of, of that, but they still were public domain. So fitting in other books, we'd substitute in other books. We even told the kids every three books, if you'll pick out one you'd like, library or somewhere, uh, we'll let you read it if we approve it. But they got to where they didn't want to fool with that. They read the stuff they wanted to outside of school and they just did yeah. the school. It was easier yeah. for them. Yes. So, yeah, and the only thing I would say that we changed up, you know, we allowed some sugar, not much. Uh, you know, some of the things in the curriculum are unique to, uh, to the Robinsons uh, context. But we, we basically would substitute in some things. Um, uh, and then I developed a writing thing because more or less it just says write and give them feedback. And I went, yeah, most people don't know who to do that. And I'm not sure I do. And so I developed this process and then we figured out in our conviction, Robinson says you do math first because you want to do the hardest thing first. I like that principle, but yes. math is a lot easier than writing. Uh, the only thing that makes you math hard. So? Oh, totally, totally. And I'll show you why. You'll, you'll okay. agree with me in just a moment. Or I maybe don't know. <laughs> so, so math, the only thing that makes math hard is introducing new concepts, concepts. every day. Yes. So if you did the same math every day, it would in no time, you'd master it and it'd be boring to you. Because there's not much to any segment of math. It's all building. A equals... Um, you know, B squared plus C or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And you're just breaking down the component parts in algebra and it can get more complicated, but all the complicated things are broken down to small things. It's similar to a symphony. Symphonies are very complicated, but when you learn to write symphonies, you do things like a beat. Yes. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> then you add a melody, right. da -da 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 -da. and then you put in the strings and then you put in the horns and you just layer this thing. It gets complicated. Right. So the decisions you're making in math, there are probably four or five and any given day of new stuff. You just got to do this and this and this, and you're learning the process of making sense of how do I mechanically do the math. When you write, you're making hundreds of decisions, hundreds in a paragraph of which words to use and which not to do and this and that and that. Once you get good at it, it's not that hard, but neither is the math part. It's just not that big a deal until you occasionally run into something that stumps you and it can do it in writing too. So yeah. in our experience, we got them up and the engagement of their brain in being inventive, language, punctuation, spelling, all those decisions. By the time they engaged that, they were awake. And that was the challenging thing to do. And I think if you'd poll everybody out there, they'd say a lot more people can do math and can write. Because everybody pretends. That's a good it. poll. I'm going to yeah. do that poll. Do it. Because everybody imagines writing is something you can just do or not. You know, and then they do that on a layer of math. You're either good at math or not. Nobody thinks that about reading, which is just bizarre. Because <laughs> all these are just skills, you know. Yes. Everybody can walk, right? Everybody can yes. run. You know, that's okay. But some people run better than others. Just because you can't run like Hussein Bolt doesn't mean you can't run, <laughs> right? Right. So yes. learn your math, learn to write, learn to read. You can do it all. But I, I guarantee if you just look at the number of people that can write well out there compared to the number of people who do math, right. way more math people. Way more. Now, I could see that, especially today. I mean, people are just not even focusing on writing. It's very few the curriculums 
I know Ron Paul, they do one essay a week, you know, but you're, I know with RC, it's an essay a day and your kids wrote a lot more than just the one yeah, we, we didn't have them writing an essay a day. We got them to where they do an essay a week, but the way we did essays, the way I recommend it is you write an essay and you might work on it a month and perfect it. So what I've found is if I can get them to write a perfect essay, mm -hmm. you know, perfect. Um, yes. So, so we get it down, then they know what they look like. And from then on, they can do essays. And yes. a lot of times what we're doing is just having them work at it and it's okay. And we'll try again later instead of let's get it to where we could publish it. Layering it, right. Perfecting yeah. that just and like just with constant, Matt. Yeah. Act, evaluate how it went, improve, you know, act, adjust, improve that kind of game. Yes. So Ooh, we're hitting too many topics all at once and all I this know. is to make it easier. I'm just trying to make life easier. Right. Homeschooling made easy. That is yeah. the goal of this podcast, simplifying it. Like you said, it's always the simplest answer that is what works, the most effective. I yeah, always try to you know, Einstein, Einstein said you want things to be as simple as they can be, but not simpler. So somebody could oversimplify something and it doesn't work. But on balance, if, if what you're fiddling with isn't understanding understandable in some simple basic way you're probably generating some complexity that makes it not useful right right exactly yeah. so the more we can simplify it i mean it, it's anything it, when, when your um, children get old enough for makeup um you know i don't know anything about makeup but i'm sure it's something simple Let's do something simple yes. <laughs> with face, blush, brows. Yes. I mean, let's not, we don't have to dress, you said, like a clown. We don't have to be a clown. <laughs> you know, we don't right. have to start there. Let's do something simple. Why don't we right. just do some mascara and some shit? Just the, the goal is to enhance what's already there, right? To, there I would say the secret to wearing makeup is to look like you're not wearing any. You're just trying to enhance your features. So, same thing with um, with all of this, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's how you go. Perfect. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. And again, if you want to submit your questions to us, email us at homeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to answer your questions. We will also link all this information. If you want to check out the writing course mentioned, you can check it out at independenthomeschool.com. And there's a writing course, a reading comprehension course that's wonderful, and also uh, homeschooling in 30 minutes a day that talks about how they did the RC system, the Librand family, and how to set up a well-run system if you want to incorporate screen time and rewards and things like that. That is the perfect course for you. So and, go ahead and, and check it out. It's not just for RC. It's more of how yes. to build systems in your home. So some of it relates to bedtime and nutrition and whatever else right yes you covered everything so chores all of it discipline even right everything is there so that's a great course so go ahead and check it out thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next episode yeah. bye have a good day <laughs>